Hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast with me, Ian Cheeseman. Thanks very much for your company. Don't forget, of course, to subscribe. It's free, which means every time we do a new podcast, you'll be notified. And thanks very much to Charles Louis, the uh, sponsors of this podcast. They're part of a group that's an advisory business. They advise on development finance, mortgage advice and estate agency. They started out life as a simple mortgage company offering buy to let, first time buyer and moving home mortgages. Charles Louis now provides support for the whole property transaction process, including an independent estate agents and an expert commercial financial team and a renowned mortgage team. Without them, there would not be a podcast. So thanks very much to them. Really appreciate it. Now, uh, the last few weeks, we tried as much as possible to get on somebody very special as our extra guest. So we use members of the squad from the Forever Blue team. Uh, tonight we are doing that of course and I have Tony who uh, we haven't seen for a little while he's got a growing family so he's been very busy but he's back with us tonight and uh, we've also got Harlan but our special guest tonight is none other than the former city manager uh, Brian Horton I'm delighted to say is joining us for this podcast so Brian thanks very much you're very very welcome to join us First of all, I've got to say, how are you doing? How, how are you coping? I mean, have uh, you avoided uh, COVID and all that sort of stuff? Are you well? Uh, my son and his partner, they, they got it. Matthew's partner's uh, mum works in a care home in, in Stoke and she caught it. So they've had it and they've got a little baby. It's about, um, a very small baby. And so they've had to obviously self-isolate and not been able to see them at all. So that's been a, a bit tough for them. But... Uh, my wife and I have been uh, have been good. We've had our first jabs, so uh, pleased with that. Thank you. And obviously, as a football person who has over a thousand managerial matches under your belt, as well as all the games that you played, what's it been like, you know, being away from football? Or have you got to some games? I've done a couple of city games um, for Radio Manchester, which I enjoyed. Bizarre, obviously, with no crowds in there and. The way they're playing and the stuff they're producing to have no crowd in there is is is, is quite tough, really. So that was nice to just get out and do something different. Um, I think I'm on my fourth game today. It's Liverpool and and uh, Sheffield United. So um, it, it it's been tough, but it, it for me it's going quite quickly. You know, it seems to go very very quickly. The days and the sport, which which I am obviously sports mad. That that, that has been a great relief for me, cheesy. To be fair. Well, you look well. Obviously, at the moment, I can see you because we record the podcast these days on on Zoom. So you're looking very well. I know you've got a book out, so I don't want to go any further without mentioning that. Uh, if anybody wants to get hold of a copy of your book, um, and you can tell us the title, where you get it from, you know, all that sort of stuff. So uh, plug time, Brian. Away you go. Uh, it's, uh, uh, Brian Orton, 2,000 Games in Football. Um, you can buy it at Waterstones. Um at uh, Amazon, at Pitch Publishing. Uh, it's just a shame that I haven't been able to go to the likes of City and Brighton, Hull and Luton and Port Vale to do book signings and, and do things like that, you know, which would have obviously helped uh, greatly. Uh, Tim Rich is the writer. He did Ron Atkinson's, um, Kanchelskis. He's just done Bielsa's uh, and, and he's just done mine. He's a freelance writer and he was brilliant. It started with, he just did a book on Man City Manager. So obviously he rang me and he come and did my, my chapter. 
and he just started like you've just gone, wow, how many games have you done altogether? And he comes out with playing, managing, being with Phil Brown, number two, and like a little director role at South End. So all in all, over 2,000 games. Uh, and there's only Alex Ferguson and Graham Turner have ever done over 2,000. So, you know, it gives me great, uh, what's the right word, you know, for the, considering I got a free transfer when I was 17 from Warsaw and go on a building trade playing on league football till I'm 21. To achieve what I've done is just makes me very proud. And what what he he, he suggested when he when he was doing it, Tim, he he, he let my my family, uh, my son, my daughter, my wife, add little bits. David Pleat did a bit. Alan Murray, David Moss, Dennis Bood, who played, who was my number two at all. And so for them to do it as well, it was just it was just something that really kept me going and. Um, Helped me get through the thing, and I, and, and I love doing it because it brings brings back so many memories, and I've had great response from it from different, you know, supporters from different clubs, and uh, uh, they they say it's going very well. How well I don't know, I don't know the numbers or anything, but I have seen it in the bookshop. So that again gives me a bit of pride that I see it there. That you know, done a book, and uh, yeah, it's, it's got good reviews. Brilliant. I'm a very, uh, during lockdown on a much smaller scale, obviously I wrote Colin Bell's autobiography and worked with Vincent Company 18 months ago. I've decided to try an experiment of writing my own life story, whether I'll ever publish it, whether anybody would ever want to read it, because I'm nowhere near as successful as you, Brian, is a big, big question, but at least it's given me something to do uh, exactly. during lockdown. And I've just been writing about you, funnily enough, in the in the bit that I'm writing today. <laughs> I hope it was a good piece, Jesus. It's all complimentary, Brian. It's all complimentary. I, I mean, obviously, we can we can uh, sum up a little bit of that for people who don't know. And so we'll come back to that a little bit later on. But um, I, I personally thought that um, Francis Lee bringing in his own man, Alan Ball, after the fantastic, brilliant attacking football with such flair players like. Uh, Paul Walsh and Peter Beagre and Nicky Summerby and Uwe and, and all that. That was a big, big mistake that they made. You should never have, have been um, let go at that time, Brian. But we'll come back to that in a minute. I want to start, first of all, by bringing in the other two, Tony and, and Harlan, as well as yourself, and, and just ask you what you've made of the performances this week. I mean, the, the performance in midweek at Borussia Mönchengladbach to begin with, which was a, a bit more of an unknown quantity because we're pretty familiar with the Premier League uh, teams that City have been playing. So that was an unknown factor. And then, of course, a lot of changes for the, the game against West Ham, who are riding high at the Premier League, I think it's fair to say, and playing pretty well. So a tighter uh, game. So let me bring in Tony, first of all. Um, what have you made of the, the two games this week? I mean, obviously, 20 successive victories. It is unprecedented, uncharted territories and, and, and something that should be sung from the, the highest rooftop. It should. And every game, I'm still as nervous as ever. I don't think that ever leaves me. Um, and I think it was before the Arsenal game, actually, I said to somebody, a friend of mine, that not that I wanted us to lose, but sometimes I felt like we needed to lose just so we got rid of that. 20, 21, 22, and, you know, it's when will that end? But in terms of the uh, last two games, I think um, against Munch and Gladbach, um, it was an efficient performance. Typical City did kind of creep into my head when Jesus missed kind of that sitter. Obviously, he uh, redeemed himself uh, afterwards, but I thought this is what it's going to be now. They're going to come back and get one. I don't know. I think 
sometimes I do just have that mentality of typical sitting. I'm not sure that's ever going to leave me, but um, I thought it was an efficient performance. And it seems to be the mark of our season this year with regards to um, how we've been approaching games. And it's similarly yesterday, we've not been in seasons past, like the 100 point season, we've been winning five, six, you know, and high scoring games, whereas we seem to have found a bit of a resilience to our game um, this year where we are grinding out results. And yesterday against West Ham, I think that whilst we didn't play too badly, I think we weren't, didn't play as well as we have done previously. But at the same time, I think that's, all down to West Ham and how they played because they didn't just put, you know, 10 men behind the ball like we've seen teams do against us. So I think for a large part, that was uh, credit to West Ham. Um, but we've got that resilience, especially now at the back. And that's just allowed us to set up and not need to score four or five uh, in the fear that they're going to score one or two and kind of nick a point here or there. I think we do have um, that solidity at the back now. What about you, Harlan? What have you made the last two games? Well, hi, Brian. First off, um, pleasure to be on with you tonight, mate. Um, looking forward to this one and, and can't wait to see what everybody thinks. But yeah, Ian, um, it's one of them. I'd like to first off echo what Adam said last week. Uh, we're listening back to what Adam, one of the one of the other lads on the podcast, uh, one of the panel members said. Um, and that is that it's one of them at the moment where I, I've, the longer this runs began to go on, the, the more we've all, I think, started to believe that we are that strong, that we will continue to find our way to get through a game. If something, for example, is, uh, is, is missing in a game or if we're not doing a specific thing in a match. Um, I think Adam specifically said last week, lads, that um, it's one of them where he feels excited because he knows that moment will come in a game. And I think it's that, knowing that you can enjoy the football because you know that come the 60th or the 65th, one bit of magic from Ilkay or, or a, you know, a crossfield pass or a switch from Cancelo will unlock a door that we'll then score from, gives you that excitement that you can look forward to that moment eventually arriving. Now, I know with that there comes, yeah, but it might not arrive, but I just think at the moment there's that much quality on the pitch that we will always create chances. It's just about like Tony said, Jesus or whoever it is up top, being able to you know, have that confidence at that moment where he needs to have it to put the ball in the back of the net. But um, yeah, there was an anxiety in me before because I wanted to be proven right because I'd put a massive claim out saying that I thought that other teams would drop points, i.e. United and, and Liverpool this season, that we'd pull clear uh, at one stage and we'd start to, to show our real qualities of 17, 18, 18, 19 again. And like Tony said, show that resilient nature that we've been building over the course of them seasons. And it all seems like everything we learned in them two seasons where we were largely dominant is coming to fruition now. And we're winning games 1-0 and grinding teams down and finding a way through. So I think we've got everything in our locker now to, if we win the league, which we will now, I think, um, I say if because the, the other pundits aren't giving us the credit. If we win the league, I think this time round, you know, all them things that he was counting about being the best team in the Premier League um, ever and all that kind of stuff, they've got to start giving us more credit now because we've done 100 points, 98, chased a, you know, a, a deficit down with 14 wins on the bounce and then performed this well this season. I think that has got to, considering all three seasons, be the best team in the Premier League era. A lot of praise has gone 
understandably to Ruben Diaz since he's come in. And obviously we saw the statistic, I'm sure everybody's seen it, that John Stones and Ruben Diaz have actually scored more goals than they've conceded since they were put together as a partnership. And, um, you know, I've seen people on social media sort of saying, you know, is Ruben Diaz as, as crucial to City as Virgil van Dijk? And, and actually, I've seen the, from City fans, this is, the other way of spinning this round and saying, how come Jesus isn't scoring as many goals now as our centre-backs are? And my reply to that was that this is total football. This is not about one individual or how many an individual gets. They all seem to say the same thing. John Stone said it after the game yesterday. This is about a team, about being in it together. And the fact that Stone's happened to score, the fact that Diaz happened to score, I don't think Gabriel Jesus walks away from that game thinking, God, I haven't scored again or I should have scored. I think he walks away from that saying, that's another good win. And I think that's the secret. What do you think, Brian? I mean, is should Diaz be getting lots of individual praise or is it about the team ethic, this team? Yeah, I think he should be getting lots of praise because whoever he plays with, and John Stones actually said that in his interview yesterday, whoever he's played with when Stones hasn't played, he plays at Laporte and whoever he plays with. So I think, yeah, without shadow of that, he, he, he should take a lot of credit for doing that. John Stones is just, when they signed him, uh, cheesy, I, I thought it was a great signing. Uh, he's a good player, he's a, he's a footballing centre-half. Um, and then he's gone through this bad spell with issues, you know, off the field, which, which players have, you know. And sometimes people don't understand that, that they're normal guys with families and stuff like that, and, and, and things happen. And he's just come back and he just looks absolutely, well, for me, the best English centre-half at the moment, without shadow of a doubt in the goals. I mean, his goal yesterday, I mean, he took it like Sergio Aguero, didn't he? I mean, it was a great play from Morris. But how clinical was that? And then the first goal, uh, we were just saying there, it, it, I mean, it's a fantastic cross from De Bruyne, who found it hard yesterday. It's hard when you're coming back from injury to go bang and you're straight back at it. He's missed a few games. You, you're still a little bit rusty. But for me, he's the best midfield player in the world. And what a cross again with his left foot this time. And a great header from Diaz. Second half, Mahrez, a bit of magic, which he's capable of, whichever side he plays. Uh, great little ball back, and, and John Stone finishes up with a plum. And, and I agree there that got goals from all over the pitch at the moment. Uh, Cancelo looks a different player. He's pushed him into a, a role where the other day when he played left back, and he's playing like left midfield. So it's almost like three at the back with Walker and the, and the other two, and, and he's playing in midfield, and, and he's creating goals with his crosses. And he's, he's playing, meant to be playing, well, he's not playing left-back because they play with so much fluency. That then other games, they've played with a false nine. So Aguero hasn't played, Jesus has not played. And they keep winning because they're playing with a false nine and, and nobody can, they, they, don't, they can't work them out. The, the, the movement and, the, and, and the, um, the, the revolving of the players, it's just, it's just incredible to watch. It really is. And then you look at the bench yesterday and you think, you know, you think, well, if, 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 if Aguero comes off, then Jesus comes on. And if De Bruyne comes off, then so Foden comes on or whatever. And, and what a great player he is looking, Foden. I mean, which you, I saw him a couple of years ago when Sancho was in FA Youth Cup game. And I hadn't seen him before. And they beat Wolves eight or nine in this FA Youth Cup game. And I said to the guy next to me, who are these two boys? And it was Sancho and Foden. And wow. And, and, and they, Foden... You know, and left footers, they all have 
all this aura, don't they? Because it's left foot, left footed batsmen, left footed golfers, left footed players. They always seem to have a bit more balance for whatever reason, don't they? Or generally. And he looks obviously had a few problems with the England thing, which which obviously he's come back from. And and he's going to be a world class player. Silver takes some replacing, doesn't he? I mean, how do you how do you replace him? But they have a Fernandino, who's one of my favourite players. So I played in that role. Uh, for Luton in those days, at only midfield player in front, which was new, new and unique. I'd never played that position before, before I went to, to Luton from Brighton. I'd always been in, in a 4 4 2, attacking midfield player. And David Police said, I just want to sit in front of the back four, protect the back four, and pass the ball and just sit in there. And, and, and it's a great role. And Rodri's come good in there now. I mean, I think he's playing fantastic. Um, Fernandino, obviously, I'm not saying coming to the end, but. He's getting older and, and and whatever, but he's been a fantastic servant, fantastic player, one of my one of my better, you know, for me, favourite players. Well, given that you've said all that, which I agree with, and I'm sure most City fans listening to that would agree with, where does Aguero fit into all this? Because he is our ultimate striking hero. Um, I mean, I, as much as anybody else, have idolised him and, have, have, and will never, ever forget the massive contribution he's made. But has this team evolved to such an extent where a striker who is a specialist striker doesn't fit in anymore? No, I, I, I think if he'd have been fit, he'd have been playing. He, he's been a special player for City and fans adore him, don't they? They really do, and quite rightly for what he's achieved with a football club. And um, it does get harder for strikers because they rely on pace or whatever, and and uh, more than probably other positions. And but he's he's got that he's got that sense of sniffing goals out, and he you know he he, he almost he gets the tap ins, he gets the great goals, and and it, again when it the time does come, he's going to take some replacing. Whether they do give another contract, I mean only they can decide that. Whether whether they think you know can they give him two years. You know, is he going to miss a lot of games because he's had a few injuries just lately? I know what I do, but I'm not. I'm not running Manchester City Football Club. So he still um, fits into this team, even though it's it's so fluid. I mean, I was on a West Ham podcast on Friday, and they said to me, "What? How do you think City will line up?" And I said to to the the people who were doing it, who West Ham fans, when you see the graphic come up on Saturday lunchtime, you it will probably be laid out with four at the back, three in midfield three up front, I said, they won't even have a back four because that Zinchenko or Cancelo will play in midfield. And that six up front are so fluid, it's untrue. But as soon as you pick Aguero in that team, then you have got, at the moment still, a point up front. You haven't got that with Jesus, but you've got it with Aguero. Is that not yesterday's formation? I don't think anything with a with a group of players like that is yesterday's formation because they can all play each other, they can all pass, they can all play, and but the big thing that Pep does and it and it goes back to probably Aguero when when Pep came that he got him working harder because that's what they do. Everybody forgets about what City do because he had this six second rule at Barcelona, and and um, they've got it now. City, I mean, they just. Flood it, don't they? As soon as somebody loses the ball, they bang, bang, bang at you. And that's what Aguero did and, and does. And, and he's, he's been marvellous. Whatever happens, he's been one of the best signings ever for, for Man City, in my opinion. Um, and how great to go out on if they can 
if they can win four trophies, everybody's asking the question, can they win four trophies? I'm sure you're going to bring that up at one time, but if you want to leave that to later. But, I'll ask um, you now, Brian, then, they're going to win four trophies. Well, they're going to win the league, aren't they? They're in, they're in the Carabao Cup final. There's Bayern Munich, obviously, are always going to be up there. So whether they, they, if they can avoid Bayern till maybe the final, that were a final, that would be. There's nobody better playing. Bet, bet, there's nobody playing better football in in Europe at the moment. The City, without a shadow of a doubt. So then the FA Cup. So yes, they can. I think it'll be tall order to 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 take all four. If it's three, then. We'd all like it to be the Champions League, wouldn't we? Everybody, everybody connected with Man City Football Club wants to win that trophy. And so does Pep and, and the owners and, and the players and the fans. That's that's the one that's missing. That's the one they they, they want to they, they wanna win. And the way they're playing, if they continue to do that. And now you've got Aguero back in. And De Bruyne is fit again. You mentioned Sinchenko, Sinchenko uh, just a bit earlier. How, how well has he played when he comes in? You know, he's unlucky to be out the side yesterday because now they so they they they, they, they can you no know, came back in yesterday, didn't they? Came back in yesterday. So, um, but so Cancelo comes. He's basically been bought as a right back, and now he's playing left back, and he looks like he's played there all his life. Um, just a just a good good squad. As I said, when you look at the uh, the bench, it, it's scary. It really is scary for other teams that you you're going to bring him off and you know Torres you know he, he looks a good player he didn't play as well yesterday but he's a good player and they've got players for the future as well in there uh, it's 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 looking for great times for for the city fans and for the football club Tony I know you're a big Aguero fan so I could see you nodding along then when uh, when Brian was singing his praises um, what do you think does does Aguero um, I'm only playing devil's advocate, really, by asking this question. But no, do you no, think where all fits into this? Yeah, I think he does. Um, I think just picking on a couple of points, really. I'm not going to um, go with Brian and Harlan's uh, confidence in terms of we, we're going to win the league. I'm far too pessimistic for that. Until it's mathematically impossible, I'll never uh, say that we will do. But um, when it comes to Agüero, I think that it's down to Pep's genius. So. For me, Pep, although he does get uh, lauded as a great manager, I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves. And obviously, in terms of the media, we always they always kind of throw out old checkbook and you know owners backed him and all the rest of it. But I think realistically, if we look at what Brian was saying there in terms of the depth we have in the squad, we had that same depth last year. So what's changed? Pep's changed. He's adapted the system. He's learned from those mistakes. And he set the team up and we do see more together. So whereas last season we may have some players that were slightly pedestrian and getting back, that's not happening this year. And it's all making, all these little things are now making a big difference. And it's the same with Aguero. As Brian was saying, when Pep came in, people were saying Aguero is not going to fit into the system. Pep's going to get rid of Aguero because he's um, not a Pep player. And he had... Um, I wouldn't say a turbulent season because he still scored 20-odd goals, but he wasn't always a regular starter. And then Pep changed him slightly, got him to work a bit more. You'll see him kind of on the halfway line now when we're defending and kind of tracking back a little bit more. So by all means, I think it's going to be down to Pep and changing that formation. And we've seen it right throughout this year. So sometimes we'll play, as Brian was saying, with a false nine. Other times we'll play with the three interchanging. And Aguero can do that. He's done that in the past. So... In terms of who we brought in, we brought in Diaz, and I know obviously Aki has um, been out injured, but 
Um, that front three are used to playing and used to interchanging. And we've seen, you know, Aguero drift out to the left if Sterling comes into the middle or um, vice versa with Mahrez, etc. So I don't see it being an issue, Aguero coming back. If anything, I just see it as an additional strength to our squad that we can surprise the team because they're not necessarily going to know how Pep's going to set us up and what formation we're going to play, who's going to play. Um, so, yeah, I think that Pep deserves full credit as much as the lads do um, for how we've played and for how he's adapted this year because we do have that strength in depth. But as I say, that strength in depth was there last year and we something wasn't clicking. He's looked at that, he's changed things. And then this year, everyone's saying, well, of course he's going to be playing like that because of all the money he spent. It's like, well, that's not obvious because <laughs> if we weren't doing it last year and we did something wasn't clicking and he's changed and changed, you know, tactics and mentalities and training so I think yeah full credit to Pep for me. Harlan obviously um, we're all fans of Aguero uh, and this might be an impossible question to answer but if City were playing in the Champions League final tomorrow and everybody was absolutely at maximum fitness so you weren't taking into consideration that Sergio is is easing his way back in as you might do at the moment is Aguero up front for you? Yeah he is and the reason why is because if a ball falls, I think it was said in commentary the other day, and I, I couldn't have nodded more at anything said in commentary. I don't usually agree with what a lot of commentators say about us nowadays because a lot of it is is negative. Um, a lot of it is almost seemed to be geared towards pleasing the the, the, the neutral fans watching our matches uh, a lot of the time. But a lot of the stuff I heard the other day was was quite positive, to be honest with you. Especially when I listened to Ali McCoy's commentary against the... Uh, Everton, I thought it was a really brilliant, um, really brilliant stream that I watched. But going back to that, uh, one of the commentators said on the on the, the the telly the other day that if Aguero was to be in a position that would be presented to many other strikers in the world during a Champions League final, 88th minute, set up the scenario, you would you would want Aguero to be the man that the ball falls to. Uh, one of them chances, I remember a goal against Bayern Munich. He's got a hat trick. Um, I think it was, was it 2013, Ian, am I right? Am I wrong? 2013, 2014, he slotted it under Neuer. He got put through, uh, was it silver? Um, and many strikers under that pressure with the chasing pack. I mean, Brian knows in, in, in training sessions, you'll sometimes have lads chasing your striker down to, to, to do under pressure drills and whatnot to really test what they can do under pressure. Aguero was one of the calmest heads in front of goal when it comes to something like that. And I'd... I'd if you put a scenario in front of me that someone's through one-on-one with the goalkeeper, Aguero, Zeus, 89th minute, you know, if he scores, you win the league, uh, you, win, you win the Champions League. If he misses, it's one of them, or I say it's a semi-final second leg. If he scores, you go through on away goals. If he misses, you go out or something like that. You put Aguero up front for me and day over here, Zeus, and that's no offence to, to, to young Gabby. He's a fantastic striker. But I just think at that level, sometimes you genuinely need all the experience all the ability and that natural, natural goal-scoring ability that Sergio Aguero possesses. But Diaz, and I heard you talking to Brian about Diaz. I, I agree that he needs the he, he, he needs the praise because he's still a young football player, and I think that'll do him good. I don't think he's a big-headed person, but it'll go to his head and do him damage in future seasons, for example. Um, he deserves it because of how much he's grown other players' confidence as well, uh, i.e. Cancelo. Um, I'm a massive Jao fan, as you know, but and I've always backed him from, from the beginning. But I think what he's allowed Stones to, to do, uh, the freedom he's allowed Stones to have dropping into midfield at times or, or, or driving into midfield, knowing that he's going to be safe to do that with Diaz there. 
the confidence he's given Cancelo to do the same, drop into midfield, advance forward, knowing that we've got the stability at the back. Um, I think it's what he's what he's done there as well, and the, the confidence he's given Edison as well back in front of him to to be able to be Edison that we knew rather than the Edison last year that maybe looked nervy himself, uh, believe it or not. But other than that, Ian, I think partnerships are fantastic, uh, team ethics fantastic, players are full of confidence. The manager for me doesn't get enough credit, he doesn't get enough uh, praise from from the media unless it's through the teeth and it's really kind of forced out. It's not it's not kind of um, they don't want to say it more more than anything. It's just kind of they have to to be seen to be less unfair than they are. But the partnerships that are created on the football pitch are hugely important in little zones. And I remember Milner and Nasri was one. Um, Mendy and Sane was one back in 1718. Um, I think Silver and Nasri at times when they played together. Um, I think it was, was it Barry and De Jong at one stage as well? The partnerships players have on the pitch with each other are massively important to our team players sometimes. Having that confidence in your teammate next to you or the, the player in front of you. And you look at the link-ups between Bernardo and Mares in the Everton game. They're not by accident. You look at the link-up player between De Bruyne and Sane in 17-18. It's not accidental. It's all worked on. And sometimes it's the telepathy between the two players that will win you a football match. And I think that we've got that all over the pitch right now, that players trust players to give them the ball, knowing that they won't lose possession. And I don't want to give you the football because if you if you receive it from me, what if, you know, possession breaks down or player breaks down, we concede. Players trust each other. And I think that, again, like Tony said, that is what's different this year. Players started to doubt each other last season and now they've started to trust each other again. And I think that's because of the, the everything, if I can call it that, that has been done in in the preseason and, and in the early 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 moments of the season and the mistakes we made early on that I think we've now corrected. We needed to make the mistakes to know what we needed to work on. Right, the subject I want to talk about now is Pep Guardiola, and you've sort of hinted at the you know the lack of perhaps appreciation that he gets sometimes. Now I watched the press conferences and. The Friday press conference was fascinating, uh, both the bit that before the embargo and the bit that's kept back, because I can watch it all. And he was pressed quite a bit, Pep, on, you know, is it all about money? And he answered that, yes, it is. You know, you have to have the best players. And throughout history, basically, the teams that have had the most resources to go out and buy those best players are the ones that are successful. Um he wasn't hiding away from that at all. And he was pushed even more. And then people were saying to him, so do you, you know, what about you? Do you, is it not down to you? And he would keep saying, no, it's about the players. And eventually he relented and said, well, obviously I do play a part, you know, and my fellow coaches, there's a lot of us who try to bring out the best of the players. So he does seem to be reluctant to take all the praise on himself but I think most people looking on will say well he obviously is the, the biggest single factor apart from the money which again we all accept is part of it um, he is the single biggest part of it now it's not coincidence that I've got Brian on as our special guest today former city manager so who better really to to kick us off on this what is it and it might seem a fairly obvious thing to say. And if Pep was with us and he was talking, he might, because he talk, he, he simplifies everything down to the nth degree. You know, um, 
you just take the next game as it comes and all that sort of thing. But what, Brian? You've been a manager. You've been Manchester City's manager. You probably manage more games than practically anybody that's ever been involved in English football. Why is Pep Guardiola special? What makes him special? He, he, he can't do what he's done at Barcelona and Bayern Munich and now at Man City if, you, if you're not a top coach. I think I've told you this story before. Two years ago, February 4th, two years ago, it's my 70th birthday, is Vincent Company's testimonial. Uh, uh, they were announcing it in town and all the players were there, he was there. Uh, Noel Gallagher did a piece and it was all for charity. And uh, Gary Lineker, um, no, it wasn't Gary Lineker. Um, it was Gary Lineker, sorry. And you, Ferris, uh, from BBC. And you went, uh, by the way, we've got Brian Orton in the audience today, ex-City manager. It's his 70th birthday today. Brian, stand up and take a bow. Later on in the night, and I'm looking at a photograph now where I'm sitting now. We've got a photograph now of me and my wife with Pep. So later on at night, he's getting on, the, and he's wanting the players to go because they're playing Everton on the, this was on the Monday night. They're playing Everton on the Wednesday. He's wanting the players to go, to go home and get some rest. But they couldn't do it because the thing's happening and, 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 and Vincent talking and whatever, and Noel Gallagher doing his piece and whatever. And anyway, he turns up at the side of my table and I'm like a, I'm like a young schoolboy. He's come over and he just said, I've just come over to your table to say happy birthday, Brian. Wow. I mean, I, you know, people where he's been don't have to do those kind of things. But that's what, for me, makes him what he is. Because he's like that, I think, with all his players. And he's got time for everybody. He's intense. You can tell that. And I said to him, I said, I'm coming to lots of your games at the moment, watching you play and playing some great stuff. Can I come and see you train one day? Anytime, just to arrange it and, 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 and come down. Because of the pandemic, I haven't... I've been able to do it, but I still want to do it. As soon as that opens up again, I want Mike Summerby, which he's promised, he'll really take me down to a training session because Pep said he would. And I want to see, I'm not going to see everything he does because he'll do all that teamwork behind closed doors. Nobody sees what he does leading into, into games. But he's intense. He, he, he doesn't let up, does he? He's an eternal uh, winner. You know, he, he wants the best. He wants to be, you can see when somebody just gives the ball away once, you know, he's, he's at the minty. So, He's, he's got the best. He's looking for the best. And we didn't mention, or I didn't, three players, Sterling, uh, Gundogan and, and, and Bernardo Silva. When we're talking about players, I didn't mention those three. Look at those three, what those three are doing. They're all capable of scoring goals. And, and it's just got, which I agree with what we were talking about before, he's organised and they're better. Whatever he's done, and he's done something better at the back, aren't they? Because they're not conceding goals. Yes, players do make that, and, and Diaz has made a, a big walk as a good defender. Um, but whoever he plays, left back, Sinchenko, Mendy sometimes, uh, Cancelo, the, the holding midfield players, Rodri, who, who, who is, for me is, is getting better and better to that role. And I've said it before, Fernandino, for me, has been absolutely top draw. We're talking about top class players here, We're not talking about players that. That, that are, are, are mediocre. These are top-class boys and they've just gelled into a team that now are playing for each other without shadow. I'm not saying they didn't before, but they, they know the system, they know what he wants, that's why. And he has changed something yeah. to make them tighter and stronger um, defensively because you don't do what they're doing, not conceding as many goals like that without, without work. And, and that's what he does for me and that's what people tell me he does. He, he, he just drills and drills and drills and drills and it takes some doing. It, 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 takes, it takes a period. You just can't, it just doesn't happen that. It takes a time. And unfortunately, in today's football and modern football, 
particularly probably, well, no, all through the divisions, managers don't get enough time anymore. You just don't get enough time. I had, I had five years in my first job at Hull because I got promotion in my first year, finished six, which was a joint ice the second season. So I've set, I've, set, I've set my store. And so then you can build, you can bring some youth players through and you develop them. And I went to Oxford and had five years at Oxford again. You can bring players through, Beauchamp and Chris Allen, good players that went on good careers. And then five years to Port Vale later on. You can build something. But today, you're lucky if you get five months. It's just crazy, you know. So the people at the top there we, we knew what, what they know what Pep was about. They know what he is about. And, and they backed him, haven't they? They backed him with the players uh, that, that they bought in and, and credit to, to his, 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 his backroom staff there and the recruitment people because the recruitment has been absolutely fantastic. Let me if I'm wrong, but one of the things that really stands out that makes Pep different from me, which sounds a very obvious thing, and you must have wanted to drill this into every player you've ever, you've ever managed, is a, is a no-excuse mentality. So when I, again, when I was talking to the West Ham podcast, they were clinging at things like City have played in midweek in Hungary in the Champions League. They'll be tired, you know, when they come back. And we hear that all the time. And I think if I remember rightly, Roberto Mancini used to say that quite a bit when City were coming back from European games. And it almost gave players a mental excuse. Pep seems to drill into his players um, that there is never a mental excuse. And I see on the pitch every single player when they go down, when something goes against them, uh, they get up, they bounce back and they're right at it straight away. And it feels like that no mental excuse at all times is crucial to what makes Pep special. Would you agree with that? And how hard is that to achieve, by the way, Brian? Well, it, it is because we're talking, say, about John Stones, that he's bought for a lot of money. For me, really, really exceptional signing. And then he had a bad time. And Pep, when you listen to Pep about John Stones, all he praises is John Stones. He said he's done it. He, he doesn't take any credit for that, but he's got to take some credit for that because he's, he has put it back in and stuck by him. And, and, and confidence is a massive thing. That's one of the biggest things ever in a, in a player or a team. And they're playing with confidence. Stones, you can see he's oozing with, with, with confidence. You can see Cancelo. Cancelo's just risen for me and, and just got better and better over the last couple of months because at, at times when he, when he first bought him, he... <clears throat> it's a different game. It's a different game to, to, to Spanish or Italian. It's quicker. It's stronger. Stronger mentality. Um, you don't you don't do what Pep's done over his over his career without being what he is. And uh, I I want I'd, I'd love to see him work. And you know, I saw Mancini work. Phil and I when we were out to work, and we asked if we could go down. We asked through David Platt, and we went down. Uh, and and he was coaching two teams uh, because they're playing in Europe, and he hadn't decided what he was doing. So he's going. From that team to that team, and it and it was fantastic to see him do it. You know, because Sardin was just coaching, thinking, well, that might be my team, or that might be my team, or that might be my team on Saturday. And these top coaches now are they're they're, they're almost like geniuses. You know, their mentality, themselves, that that breeds success, that breeds into into players, and you you can see them. And 
he makes them do it, doesn't he? That's the bottom line. It's it's like you know somebody when you talk about some of the older managers that won loads and loads of stuff, and you know you talk talk through Bill Nicholson and Matt Busby and Alex Ferguson, and you know some of the top my manager David Pleat was fantastic. He, he taught me so much about playing that role, playing four three three, which hardly anybody did at that time. We played four three three, and nobody did. I mean, we, we cruised the championship. Nobody could handle us. Nobody knew what. Because we were, again, David Moss was outstanding, Brian Steen. I'm talking, some of the younger viewers uh, won't, uh, listeners won't, won't know some of these players. But uh, And David was the same, drill, drill, every Friday, Thursday, Friday, whatever the team was going to be. And whether, whether it was the same team, did it again. Free kicks, corners, do this when, when this certain things happen. And it was every, every Thursday, Friday, just drill, drill, drill. And that's why you become a good team. When you go down to uh, to have this individual session with Pep, um, you'll need somebody to carry your bag, Brian, won't you? So uh, I am available, right? So uh... <laughs> my wife's on that photograph, and I don't think she'd let you choose. I think she'd want to do it. Um, but it, it was great of him to to come and do that, you know. And uh, I just love his football. I just love the way they play, and and that's not just just because they are doing what they're doing. Uh, you know, the Man City fans have always been great to me. I've, I've stayed in Manchester ever since I came in 93. And, um, I, I, you know, it's just a great club. Uh, and uh, Brian, Brian's the same. When I go back to Brian, I get, you know, tremendous stuff and Luton and Hull City, exactly the same. But, you know, he's just took it to a different level to, to, to watch the football. I just love watching his, his teams play. What makes Pep so special, Tony, from, from a fan's perspective rather than the expert perspective that Brian offers us? Um, I don't know if this is the right word, but humble. Um, I think why Pep doesn't get the credit he deserves is he's not a Mourinho, for example. So if the shoe was on the other foot and this was Mourinho now, he'd be saying, well, I've done all this work, I've done this, I've done that, and I've done the other, because that's his characteristic. He's quite um, outspoken with how he is. Um, whereas Pep's more, it's not about me, it's about them. And I think he does it really well. So if the player does have a bad performance, he won't hang him out to dry. He won't say, it was rubbish, it was this, that, and the other. It was like, no, the team played like this. This is on me, I made the tactics. It wasn't an individual error, it's on me. And when they play well, he praises not just the individual, even though um, a couple of times this season when he's been asked about Diaz or he's been asked about Stones, he said, yeah, he's had a good game, but the whole team had a good game. So he's not making it about the one person. And it was one of the notable things of when he came in um, to, to the job to begin with. He generally gets rid of a lot of egos um, so that it is all about a team rather than about one individual player. Um, we saw it at Barcelona with Ibrahimovic and those kind of egos, and we've seen it everywhere he goes. He gets rid of those big egos and wants just the team. Um, to say it's all about the money, I think, is too simplistic. I think, realistically, even if we have a look internally at what we spent over the years on players that didn't work out, um, if we look at other teams, so... Recently, obviously, Sanchez, we seem to have dodged a bullet with him. Um, but, you know, 500k a week or whether it was um, Fernando Torres from Liverpool to Chelsea, for example, 50 odd million didn't hit those high. So money isn't always the answer. It's how they're coached, how they're trained. And Pep's really good to say, it's not just me, it's my coaches. I'm fortunate enough to have travelled with the team um, on a couple of European away games and seen kind of how they interact. And one of the things that I noticed was 
when we were in the earlier stages in terms of the Champions League and the players were all on the planes together, but the youth team were there as well. And the first team players on the plane were going and talking to the youth team players and coming back. There wasn't just, that's the first team, you can't go in there and you can't, you know, and that side of it. Um, and not to me, slightly jealous, but I have uh, seen them train a couple of times as well um, in terms of the um, post-match um, training that they do, which is obviously a bit of a lighter load in terms of the training side. And it is a collective effort out there where at this point Arteta was there and he was doing some of the drills and then Pep would just kind of pull one player to a side out of that drill and go, no, your position is here. You've got to be doing this. You've got to be doing that. And it is very much a collective and he surrounds himself with the right people. And I think if he was a little bit more assertive in himself and people would say, oh, he's arrogant, he's this, he's that. But I think he just doesn't get that credit because he's not like that. I think he does really well is keeping people together. So it's not all about him. It's about the team. He never says, oh, it's because Aguero's scoring 30 goals like we're doing this. It's always about the team. Yes, Aguero scores, but people assist. Yes, we're not um, we're scoring goals, but people are defending, you know, and it's always deflecting onto other players of the team that may feel slightly undervalued. If Pep Guardiola was the manager of Oxford United or or or, or Hull City when you were there, Brian, do you think he would be regarded as highly as he is, or do you think because a lot you hear a lot of people outside saying he can only do it with at the big clubs with money? Do you think he'd still be a great manager if he was lower down the leagues? It's hard to say that because he'll never be there, will he? I mean, that's 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 the bottom line. He'll always be one of the best sides in Europe, and that's that's because he's earned that reputation, isn't he? And that that that's um, I mean that, that me getting the chance at Man City. You know, because everybody give it, oh, uh, Brian Hunt's come from Oxford. Because it doesn't happen very, very often now, does it, that somebody from a lower division comes in and takes over a Premier League side. Uh, but I'd done, I'd done a promotion from third division to the second in my first season. And, and the rest of the, uh, uh, the nine seasons were all in the equivalent to the championship. So I thought I'd earned my stripes and done, and done enough to earn that chance. But... Um, it, You're sitting on very, the fence there, aren't you, as to whether he could do it? In the lower yeah, divisions, it, it, <laughs> it, it, yeah, but it, it is harder because sometimes, sometimes, and it, it's the frustration I've heard managers that were better players than me say they found it hard because they're trying to coach players to do something they can't do in the lower leagues, and they can't exactly. Unfortunately, exactly. they can't. You know, when you see that bit of magic from Mares yesterday, there ain't many players that can do that. You know. These are top class players you're working with in Bayern Munich and and and, and Barcelona. You know you, you you you're coaching Messi. You're not coaching a young boy that's come through the ranks that's making his debut in the third in the third division or division two as it is today. So yeah yeah they would find it hard because they can't they haven't got the quality to do what he's done at all these big clubs. You know and that's not being critical of it, but it's not. And and I found. When I did come to City and now I'm working with better players and, you know, the, the players that were there, the international players, Quinney and Steve McMahon at the time when it came to Tony Cope and the goalkeeper. It's fantastic to work with these guys because they can almost do everything you ask of them. You know, you ask them to put a corner in a certain place or, you know, passing and doing certain things. They, they can do it. You're asking some of the lower division. And I'm not, I'm not being critical of that because I came through that, through that ranks and uh, to, to play at the top level and it, and it, it is it is easier to play with top players than than some that are not quite as good as you you know and it's it's a frustrating thing 
But without a shadow of a doubt, he's uh, he's he's one. He's been one of the world's best, hasn't he? The, without a doubt. And I, I agree what the boys are saying there. He, he's de- he's so down to earth, and he never takes credit. He always he said one of his coaches now has has made him calmer. I didn't see that yesterday because he's still as bad as he on the touchline. You know, if something goes wrong, he's still he's still at them. So he's not always so calm. Um, there's also not, a bit of I, I think there's also a bit of something that that works in the head too. I mean, uh, you know, if you're managing, uh, we're in a different world now, obviously. But if you're if you're managing multi-millionaires, which is what the modern city players are, as opposed to managing people who are yeah, better off than, than ordinary working people are, but but not out of touch. That in itself, managing that mentality is is a different type of challenge, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. And it's, what he's done with Foden, he's put him in, he's taken him out. He's, he's, he's made him earn his stripes and he will do, he'll carry on doing that. Uh, and the same with other people, some of the top players, he, you know, when they're not doing, off you come and he puts somebody else on. He, he's not he's not worried about big egos and stuff like that. He He's managed them all, all over the world. And I think you get respect for doing that, you know. And that's where I, again, I go back to, to uh, Man City times. I tried and with the players we're talking about bringing in to try and, Make it a better attacking team, and the, the, the better players you bring in, the, the, the better you're going to be. I mentioned before, and, and I want to just ask you a question now about your time there. You know, uh, that you played beautiful flair football that I thoroughly enjoyed. I mean, Kevin Keegan came along in a different era and also played fantastic football. And in recent years, we've been really spoiled with Mancini, Pellegrini, and now Pep Guardiola. But but your team was, was fantastic. I love the players in that team. You gave them freedom um, to express themselves. And, and I just, it was just gorgeous stuff to watch. And I'm, I'm really glad that I can say that to your face, Brian, because it was, it was, there were good times. So I'm going to ask you a sneaky question. Who was your favourite player in that era? Did you have a favourite? It's like saying who's your favourite kid, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, you just mentioned that front four and Quinny, five, you know, Nicky Summerby. I'd seen Nicky come through the youth ranks at Swindon, the reserve ranks, and then the first team ranks. So I knew Nicky. And, and Niall actually said he's one of the best cross the boys ever played with. So that, that's some statement. And then I brought Walsh in because I played with Walsh and he was capable of and he wanted to prove a point. Can you believe that, that, that Paul Walsh and half a million pounds brought Jerry Craney in? I mean, I don't, I don't really expect you to slag off Jerry Craney, but Paul Walsh and half a million pounds? <laughs> no, I could never understand that one. I could never understand that one. I knew what Beagre was about because I played against him and... and he scored a wonderful goal for Sheffield United against us at Hull. And and as he got older, you know, because what he used to do, Biggs used to check, we're going to cross it in, now check again. And and we got him because he was he was getting a bit older, so he couldn't keep checking. So he said, Biggs, when he checked back, just cross the ball in. Got big Quinny in there, got Uwe is good in the air, Walsh is not bad in the air for his size. And Biggs, for me, as he got a bit older, got better and got wiser and did exactly what, what he wanted. Steve Lomas was going to go to, to Preston, reportedly. I'd seen I'd seen him playing the reserve uh, uh, side many many times. That's where you know I got Paul Simpson from Man City and Jim McGill from Liverpool. That's where I used to see a lot of the players I was you know going to sign eventually. And and I'd seen I'd seen Steve Lomas play um, in midfield, and so I pulled that deal straight away. Bang! No way is he going to Preston. The, so you say you're asking me my favourite player, and we get get to him now is Gary Flitcroft. Flitty, oh, yeah. Flitty, Flitty, Flitty. 
was an absolute model kid. He, he, I think he was just he was playing for England 21s. I drove down to Millwall one night to watch him play for in the 20s. He was magnificent. And I would have never, ever sold him above anybody else. Never. He was a fantastic kid. He would listen to every word you said. His energy was unbelievable. I played him right back in my second game at home to QPR. We were struggling for a right back um, and injuries. And I said, I want you to play right back today. So I've never played right back before. So we're going to do the work with him on Thursday, Friday. And I said, all I want you to do is just bomb, because he had a magnificent engine. I want you to bomb forward from right back. And what happened? He scored. We beat him 3-0 and he scored. And he went, because <laughs> so, he's just coming onto the ball. His energy and everything was fantastic. And he, 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 I gave him a five-year contract. I said to Peter Swales, it might have been, it might have been Franny actually when he came in, but I think it was Peter Swales. I know I'm pretty sure it was. Give this kid a five-year deal. He will play for England. He is one of the best kids I've ever, ever come across as, as, as a player. And, and he was. So people, Uwe was a great signing. I mean, I skipped. Uh, Uwe said, will be upset you didn't pick him. He'll well, be upset. I, I, he was just behind. I have said he's the best signing I made, but uh, I didn't sign Flitty, did I? Uh, Uwe was just looking for a striker, and I was injured. And, and luckily, uh, 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 an agent rang me and said, What are you looking for? And maybe because he knew Cooney was injured. And uh, I needed to send a 40, so I've got an East German. He's been out with an ankle problem, but you can have him on trial for a week. Have him on trial for a week. So we played him in the reserve game on the Tuesday night and Franny was there and we decided, he said it was him, I said it was me. Get him off Get him off tonight at half-time. There's loads of people here watching. So get him off, get him on a short deal and we'll play him a QPR on Saturday, which he did. And he just went on and on and on. My kids used to sing Uwe, Uwe Russell, on the way down to the, the, to the, to the games when he was playing, never mind going back home. And... Uh, Again, great, great lads. They, they, they had, <coughs> you talk about this many, many times, about having um, teams and units and everything. They were good together. TC was good. Curly was captain, was good. Um, going through, you know, and I knew Walshie, what Walshie was like. And they liked to be together. They liked a good time together. And I don't mind that. I don't mind that. It has got more professional in that way. And, you know, with foreign players, do they go out as much? I think they do go out for meals and stuff together. Um, but it was a great, it was just a great team to to be working with. And obviously the, the, the games that crop up all the time is a Tottenham game. Somebody put on a tweet the other day that, you know, we beat Everton 4, we beat West Ham 4, we won at Blackburn when they won the title. There's some great games. Of course, there's some games losing losing my first derby game when we were 2-0 up. That, that absolutely murdered me and... And, and everyone didn't it because that would have been a great ferry in my cup in my first derby. And uh, but just just good lads to to so Uve will be I'll, I'll have to ring him or text him to say I've chosen Flitty over him now. Uh, I haven't looked at his result today because he's I said they got relegated last year and they kept winning Fortuna Dusseldorf. And I look I, I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. He actually rang me about Colin Bell because he named his boy after after Colin, didn't he? And uh, Colin he, and Tony, he, the Colin and Tony book. Yeah, yeah. So I spoke to him. Uh, he's doing okay. Enjoys it, and um, just just a great lad, just a great guy. And that's what that's what I like about footballers. Are they good people? Because you, you don't want people in in in, the t in, in there that are not going to mix and not be part of of the team, you know. And it it was just. Uh, it was about 20 months, I think it was, when I was there, and it was just a fantastic time of my football career, really. 
That was lovely, lovely. I'm so, so, feel so blessed that you and your players uh, are part of the history of my team and part of what I watched. So to bring the, the this podcast to a conclusion, I just want to sort of look forward now and ask these two to begin with. Um, City are, at the moment, feel as if they're playing within themselves. Uh, they're doing enough to win games, uh, unspectacularly. I don't mean that too unkindly. It's just the reality that uh, sometimes they don't have to go above two-thirds of the pace that they have to do to win games. Um, do you see that pattern continuing? Obviously, Wolves in midweek, then another game next weekend. They're every three days, these games, as they come along. Do you? Do you I know you're still old school, um, Tony, with the you know, anything can go wrong sort of thing. But come on, you must be sitting there now, um, you know, just relaxing with your brew as you do, with your baby on your lap thinking this will be another comfortable one. Um, you know, the, at the end of the game, the kit man will take the shirts back in, fold them up, put them back in the box for next week because they've got no sweat on them. I mean, that, that that's, what's sure, that's what's happening with City, isn't it? Um, no, unfortunately not for me. Um I'm more likely to be sat behind and behind the couch, like, have we scored yet? Have we scored yet? <laughs> <laughs> until we're, um, <laughs> until anything's mathematically impossible or until we've got a good goal cushion, I'm never confident. Um, it's just how I am. I know Harlan's the complete opposite of me. He's always yeah, confident but- we're going to get that one goal. But for me, I don't know. I'm just, uh, I always struggle to think we're going to uh, get that one goal. And I think going back to Pep, I mean, again, I was saying to a friend of mine, being one of the things that, frustrates me with Pep I suppose um, for all his genius is when we go and play uh, Liverpool, United or even Lyon in the Champions League we don't play how we've played throughout that season he would tend to be slightly more cautious and personally I'd like us to see carry on how we are playing go for the attack rather than kind of be slightly more cautious and I think sometimes that hinders us because we give them a bit too much respect Liverpool early um, in the last Liverpool I know we won um, the game but until we kind of got one or two ahead, we were still quite cautious and played with that respect, even though they're not the Liverpool that were that won the league last year. So I think I will always be cautious and anything can happen. It's football, it's why I love the game. Um, you know, we've we can go from you know one of my most memorable city games, which was the Spurs one with 3-0 down half time, 1-4-3. Anything is possible in football. Um, so I'm never confident. And as I say, I love the ride. I love the journey. I love the that's part of football for me. But I will never sit there going, "We're going to smash these." This is going to be nice and easy. It's just not in me, unfortunately. Yeah, Ian. Obviously, um, it's one of them. Like a lot of people listen to the pod, know I'm, I'm an optimist. But I always, I always have to stress, I'm not a blind optimist. Like I would never go into a game against Wolves and say, "Oh, we'll smash these four 0 now," because we are where we are in the league. For and yeah, me, you know, when I was doing the vlogs, when I was doing the match day vlogs. Um, before obviously all the lockdown stuff happened, the number of people who were match-going fans, proper, you know, home and away fans, particularly at the away games, obviously, who were starting to say things like that, you know, or win 4-0 and 5-0 today. It's on the increase. I, I hear what you're saying, Harlan, but it's definitely on the increase. Well, it, it is, yeah. But I mean, you know, there are, there are games you go into when, when, you, when you're on this run of form. If we were to now go and play, I mean, I, don't, I still don't think I would say it, but well, there are games where I, I go into games and think, you know, we, we could, and I'll suggest this could be a four or five nil of this, like we, 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 with that eye on confidence, etc. But you don't, you always have to consider what the opposition are going to do to try and stop you scoring the four or five goals. And I think Wolves, tricky, tricky opponent, be a massive feather in, in Esperito's cap to, to take the run off us, uh, or shall I say, halt the run. 
Um, but like I always say, you know, I'm an optimist, but that's been bred from not being able to be optimistic as a kid. You know, I, I, I am 28 next, but I don't forget the five, six years that it was before Sheikh Mansour came and, 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 and reigned, reigned, you know, fantastic, fantastic, you know, investment into our club. I, I do remember what it was like to go into school and get ribbed. And, and I, I now feel like I almost deserve to feel that, that optimism before a match and enjoy that, that confidence of going into each game thinking that we can win. Because I used to go into every game thinking, we'll be lucky to get a point here. I'll be buzzing to go into school and celebrate a point against Chef United in the Premier League. Do you know what I mean? And now I can actually, you know, not go into school, but with a smile on my face, wake up on a Monday morning. I think, for me, if we can't now start to... It's not an arrogance, because you don't want to ever become arrogant with it. But if we can't now start to enjoy that confidence and enjoy the runs that we're going on, then 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 you're going to ask yourself, not in a, in a dig, digging way, Tony... Ask yourself, what are we doing it all for then? You know, we want we want this run because we want to be able to look back at it and have, have enjoyed that and have enjoyed knowing that we were confident. And I'm with Tony sometimes where I feel nervous, sick to the stomach. Um, as the season's gone on, I've developed that kind of extra bit of confidence where I'm now starting to enjoy. And when things are nil-nil, I'm looking forward to that moment coming that we'll score and we'll win the game and you'll get the result and it'll stretch to 20 and then 21 hopefully and 22. But for me, I think, going back to what I said before, before I, I lost connection, um, it is about that resilience that we've built. It's about that confidence. And it's about something that... I listened to the Bolton press conference yesterday and I listened to Ian Everett, who was a massive admirer of Pep Guardiola and he's trying to, or has been trying to get Bolton to play this new brand of football and had a bit of a tough time with it at the start of the season. But he's trying to play possession-based football and he said in his press conference, he gave us a shout-out and he said... How are Man City winning 19, 20 games on the bounce? It's because of the confidence that I instill within the players that they then start to instill within each other, etc., etc. And he said, there's one thing that, and Brian will probably agree, there's one thing that the opposition can't stop you from doing, and that is chasing after every ball, i.e. Bernardo Silva, uh, putting in the extra bit of effort, you know, working your socks off, like you said, burning out almost, um, you know, tackling hard, tackling well, making sure that you are the best version of yourself on a football pitch. They're the things that, that the opposition can't stop. They can stop you being technically gifted. They can prevent a step over. They can, they can stop, you know, they can sit back and stop you attacking them, but they can't stop you from working hard. And we've started to do that more and more. And that's why I think that we deserve to be confident. And something Brian said before that, that resonated with me about um, who's played at left back and, and who's played at, at, at left wing back, you know, Zinchenko, um, he, he's had he's had Delphi there as well. Let's not forget, and the obsession that Pep has, a positive obsession, which Brian was alluding to before, is one that allowed Pep to even relate back to Delph playing for him at City in seventeen eighteen after the Everton game that he didn't even play in. And I think that that shows you how overactive, but how magical Pep's mind is that he can still acknowledge a player that isn't no longer playing for us to accept that that player was key in playing out of position in a season that we went on and got 100 points. And I think that shows you what Pep's about. You're right. I was watching the press conference on Friday and uh, Pep Guardiola did single out Fabian Delph and talked about him almost being the forerunner of that Cancelo-Zinchenko position. So you're dead right to, to highlight that. 
Um, I'll leave the final word then to, to, to Brian. I mean, in terms of, you've already said it's possible for them to win the quadruple. I mean, it's obviously cup competitions, so anything can happen. Um, but do you, do you sit there and relax, Brian, when you watch City now and expect them to win? Are you overflowing with confidence? Well, well yeah, yes and no. I, 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 after watching West Ham in a week, I, I knew that would be a tough game yesterday. David Moyes has got his players playing with a certain confidence that they haven't had for a, for a long while. And they have got some good players. And Pep actually said that in his press conference. He named two or three of their players. They're good players. They're top players. And we're going to have to be at our best. And but what, what they do, Man City, they wear people down with a possession. They're running. their fitness. They, you know, teams can't generally now go 90 minutes. Can they go? They might go 60. They might go 70. And they, they run out of steam. <coughs> they run out of mindset because you get tired. The brain gets tired. The legs get tired. And they just wear teams down with their, with a possession base. I mean, in nearly every game that, that, that you see, you know, you look at the, the stats, don't you boom, straight away? And it's like 70-odd percent possession, 700 passes to 200. And it, it's hard for teams to, to keep that mentality for 95 minutes, 93 minutes, whatever it's going to be. And that's what he's... He's got and Wolves, by the way. I saw Wolves, and without being a defeat, say Wolves played really, really well at City a couple of seasons back. Uh, did, did a bit in three 0 Was it three 0 They won on the night. And, and, I remember and the score, but they won. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think it was, and, and, and it was good. And but they're going through a transition now, Wolves, because they've lost some players, and and they're going through a transition. So uh, they, listen, they they could lose the game through through which they might do through till, till the end of the season, won't they? They might have a penalty against them, might have a lucky break. They might not, you know, whatever. After three or four players are injured. You don't, you don't know. But I can't see anybody stopping us win the league. We're all we've said already the Carabao Cup. I've watched Tottenham today. I mean, if they played that front three, Kane, Son and Bale, I mean, they were outstanding today. Absolutely fantastic. So that could be a tough game, Tottenham. You know, in the, in the in the cup final, then the FA Cup. Um, who knows? But the league, God, nobody's going to catch them in the league, are they? I mean, I know, I know the City fans are going. You know, we can't wait until it's mathematically, you know, difficult that nobody can catch us. But who, who's who's going to who's going to catch who's going to catch City at this present time? They got to they got to lose four games. They got, they got, and they got to win. Brian, I'm holding you for jinxing us. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, yeah, that's a, a love, a lovely, positive way to end the podcast. I mean, I, I've, I've written, I've read an article this week by Steve Tudor, who is uh, has, has highlighted the negativity within the media, which is a, a great article. If you find that and you can read it, have a read of it. Um, I, I think that some of what he explains is, is, is I suppose, is quite commonsensical in the sense that the vast majority of people, unlike us. <laughs> are not City fans which is their loss isn't it you know so so you have to play to the gallery when you're in the media but he does make a lot of points so seek that one out I would suggest and have a look at it uh, but I think on this podcast um, you don't get any of that negativity you get uh, lots of positivity I mean I know Tony occasionally is a little little nervous but he, you know I feel that too I'm an old school City fan I so I get that and even even Harlan at his youthful age can relate to that but yeah, Harlan yeah. and Tony well, 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 go on one thing, Ian, um, Brian, Brian said then, and, 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 and I, I absolutely would have cringed at that myself, even though I would have probably said it, because 
it, you know, it feels wrong as a blue to say nobody's going to catch us. It's almost like we've taught ourselves that it's wrong to be able to to be confident and be optimistic like that. It's almost because of how we've been over the years. And I think Tony agrees here. We've almost kind of taught ourselves not to be. And I think that we don't want to really revel in it too much because we feel like we are becoming like our neighbours that are in a different city completely. But I, it's time to start enjoying it a bit. And I, I remember there was a two-all draw at Newcastle last year. De Bruyne scored, Shelby broke our hearts. And I still thought that we could win the league from that point. And I had your good friends from European games, John Baker... Um, and, and Paul, uh, sorry, Paul, uh, I don't think Paul was, I think it was Andy actually, telling me, yeah, you, you've got to give up now, Alan, on this on this optimism thing. You know, it's, it's completely done. Well, that wasn't mathematically done then either. And I still believe we could win it. So now we are ahead. I am definitely going to believe we can win it. Good, good for you. Listen, Brian, it's been an absolute joy to have, have you with us. Thank you very much for giving us so much of your precious time. Really appreciate it. To Harlan and to Tony, of course, thank you as well for being part of the podcast. Um, thank you very much to charleslouis.co.uk, who are the sponsors of the, this podcast. Without them, there would be no spot, no uh, podcast. So if you are listening to this, you enjoy the work that I do, either on video or or audio, and you'd like to get involved in supporting uh, Forever Blue, uh, both the channel on YouTube and the SoundCloud audio podcast, let, let me know. You can get involved, and obviously, the, the more the merrier, and uh, I always need some some support like that. So thank you very much for, for listening. Um, click the, uh, the subscribe, share it when, when you listen to this, and we'll do another one same time next week. But uh, in the meantime... Uh, my hat goes off metaphorically to you, Brian, for being our special guest today. And remember one thing, if you only remember one thing from this podcast, remember this, it's always great to be a blue. <laughs>